Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graeme Young. Today I'm joined by Record Sports' Tony Haggerty. And with a very special guest today, it's former Celtic striker Scott McDonald. And Scott, this is your life at Celtic, looking back <laughs> at different points of your career throughout your time at Parkhead. So, delighted to have you with us today. So, let's go back to the start, playing football in Australia. Did the dream of moving to Britain playing football, did that seem realistic at the time? No, not, not necessarily. It was uh, something I always loved, obviously, growing up with, with two Scottish parents. Um, Dad loved the game, uh, played at a high level, you know, back home especially. Uh, I think the one of the very first things I was born when I was born was a, until the dog got hold of it. Actually, it was a soft toy, you know, football. So something I, I treasured and played with, and I played my first game of football when I was about five years of age. Probably still the same height now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the shorts didn't fit me even back then. Um, I just remember running on and everyone laughing at me because the shorts were that big. <laughs> they were down to my ankles. Um, but yeah, look, I, I really enjoyed it. Loved playing the game, and uh, funny enough, I came over here when I was about twelve or thirteen. There was a, a local football team that very successful back home that I played upon, and uh, we raised a lot of funds to come and play in the Aberdeen International Football Festival oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Air, Air Cup yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we played in the Air Cup and the Aberdeen one, um, and that was a real eye opener for me at, at that time. You know, being twelve or thirteen thinking uh, this is the levels you know these are these are the levels of players you know within Europe that you've got a long way to go Scott but in terms of when I come back it, it made me kick on and spur me on and gave me a little bit of a swagger because I did alright when I come over that thought man I can do this I'm, I'm, as, I'm, better, I'm better than everyone else back here never mind over there I'm, I'm the king of Australia so I, I progressed and went through all the, the development squads and, and then uh, finally I went I was in the Victorian Institute of Sport came through there with a guy called Ernie Merrick who's a, who's a Scottish chap who's now the manager of Newcastle Jets in the A-League um, been very successful over there and it was uh, Stuart Munro picked up the phone and asked Ernie if I could come on loan to it was the National League at the time now the A-League um, and I was one of the youngest players to, to play in it I played probably about three or four games and then that elevated me into the Australian under 17 uh, youth team uh, I was probably the youngest in the team at 15, um, and we got, went on to qualify for you know those World Youth Cup tournaments as you do, and and really that's when uh, things started to get you know, pretty serious. Uh, we did really well in that tournament, went all the way to the final, um, got beat on penalties by Brazil 8-7. Uh, Adriano was playing for Brazil, and there was quite a few other top players uh, that were playing in, in that tournament itself as well. So tell me you didn't miss a penalty. <clears throat> no, I, I actually got hooked before that. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, um, would you have taken one? Of course, I would have. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was the number nine. You know, playing for my country, I definitely wouldn't have. Uh, stepped away from that but I wasn't asked upon thankfully I think at that time I was like quite relieved but <laughs> devastated at the same time that, that we didn't obviously pick the trophy up but from that a lot of our players uh, got picked up from scouts uh, from that uh, from that tournament I, I had the offers from Germany um, I had a couple of trials previous to that at West Ham and Arsenal um, really good eye openers people you know the likes of Liam Brady was there and said you're as good as what we've got but obviously in order for you to come all this way and for us to pay the money you have to be better so I had to take that on the chin and accept that and I finally got a break though um, with Southampton uh, they came in and actually but did that let you know you could hold your own in that kind of company Scott? yeah oh, well I, I never got then. deterred from it I, I kind of believed I was better though but I just wasn't getting that opportunity so I had to accept that um, and go back again and, and just you know, go back home but they were really good learning curves I, I loved it I enjoyed it I, I had a, a great time and I was fortunate enough to, to train you know with West Ham's first team on a couple of occasions you know how when you get the first 11 uh, you know not train on a Monday and you, you get to train with, with the rest and 
you know, with the likes of Paulo De Cano and, and, and people like that, you know, my, one of my idols. I ended up uh, nicking a couple of Perry's boots while I was there. I've still got them. Still got them. Did he catch it? Uh, no, he was happy to kit. I asked the, obviously the the kit man first, and he was like, "Yeah, he said you can have them." So. He was revealed at West Ham. Was I, he? Yeah, he's an absolute god there, you know. Um, absolutely. But moving on back to obviously, I got my break at Southampton. You know, full time contract, uh, three years. I think the only one that didn't want me to go was my mum. She was heartbroken. You know, um, obviously losing her sixteen year old son that early, uh, halfway across the world, but. Went there, first six months were really tough, as they are, um, but grew into the occasion. And um, after that, I never really looked back. Uh, I did, did really well. Had a few different managers in Glenn Hoddle, Stuart Gray. Um, and I finally got my opportunity at 18 to, to make my debut in the Premier League, yep. uh, which was unbelievable. And I kind of think, you know, at that point, you're thinking, well, I've made it, haven't I? I've this, I've arrived. You know, where's my new contract? Uh, where's the money? Um, so yeah, you go through all that, um, and then bang, the manager gets a sack. So a new manager comes in, uh, being Gordon Strachan, yep. um, and things were dramatically about to change for me. Um, was out the picture completely. Couldn't even get a game in the reserves. Come back, I had one year left on my contract, and I was like, right, head down. You're going to show him. You're going to run your ass off in, in in the off season and come back as fit as you possibly can did so and then <laughs> i never forget it even before the first session had even gone on it was like right gaffer wants you in his office i was like oh no well, what's going on here and straight away he was like right you need to go out and loan he says because you're past the point of reserve football you've had a taste of being a man it's time for you to go and be a man so i had to take that on the chin um but thankfully got the opportunity to go to Huddersfield on loan Went there for, for three months. That was a complete disaster. A complete disaster from What was so bad? Great. Great. Up north, was it? Uh, <laughs> it well, it, Mick Wadsworth was a manager, obviously, that, who we know yeah, yeah. at his time from Gretna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great guy. He was our number two when Stuart Gray was the manager. Had a lot of experience. And promised me you know, certain things in terms of how we, we were going to play. And obviously, being a young laddie, you, you put all your trust in you know, your managers and your coaches because they've looked after you previous. But once I got there, it certainly didn't turn out to be a case of we would play that certain way. I ended up playing uh, wide left in, in a 4-3-3, and I'd never played there in my life. <laughs> and I'm running up and down in, in League One thinking, wow, these boys are fit. So it was a real eye-opener. And, and the club was going through some real financial difficulties at the time and ended up going into administration. So again, though, um, I think you take a lot more from, from those periods of time when there's real lows and your confidence is low and... And it's how you come through them and, and how you come back from it. Shapes your mentality as a footballer, that would have thought. Oh, without question. And obviously, you know, with the disappointment of one, not getting my new deal at, at Southampton and, and having to cope with that and believing that I had arrived and, and I still believed I would have kicked on anyhow and, and done really well there if given the right opportunity sure. and the right manager at that time was, was willing to put his trust in me. Um, but everything happens for a reason, and so I ended up going back to, to Southampton and being told, right, that's it, um, you won't be getting a new deal. So in those days, there wasn't a January transfer window, it was end of March, you could still move somewhere. So I managed to go to Bournemouth at the end of that season and, and kicked on there, and we got promoted from League Two to League One. And again, ITV deals with uh, you know with television deals at that time, they, they fell on the brink after giving obviously the football league so much money football league clubs were really in trouble because they'd spent it all already um, so that made it really difficult to go and get another club uh, after that Bournemouth said they were going to get back in touch and never happened so everything was really up in the air and I was like fed up I've got to the point now where what's the point I've got no family support nothing behind me uh, I was with my now wife at that time as well from Southampton and had to live in Bunkett you know, her place for, for a couple of months while I was trying to find my feet. Ended up at Wimbledon on a month-to-month -month deal. Again, they were in administration, moving to, to MK. It was, it was just going from one disaster to the next. And I finally said, right, that's enough. Uh, I've, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go home, start from scratch, have the, the right support base behind me and uh, just try and enjoy the game again. And uh, it was then I got a phone call from uh, certain Dave McPherson, ex-Hearts, you know, Rangers. Angel. Yeah, um, who was then an agent, still is, I think. Um, and he said, look, um, why don't you come up to Scotland? And I was like, mm, I'm not so sure I want to do that. I think I'm just going to go home. And he said, look, 
and take it's a week of your time what's the difference you know you're going to come up if they say no anyway you're going to go home anyhow so just come up and try it and see how you like it so in the end I was like okay then so ended up going to Motherwell uh, Terry Butcher was the manager and really within a couple of days I was enjoying myself doing really well pulled me up and said right we're going to sign you I just couldn't believe it you know that was the the lift I needed at that point in my career to get me to the to the next stage you know just someone to believe in me who did you think what Terry? great I, I love the guy you know um, still to this day uh, we, we all still talk about those memories you know it was very old school in terms of mm. you know things at that time um, and some of the senior players we had we had some good quality players Scott Leach Derek Adams Phil O'Donnell uh, Gordon Marshall you know so there, there was a really good core there and you know, players that I grew up, you know, the likes of Phil O'Donnell and Gordon Marshall. You know, I remember going to Celtic Park when I was 12, 13, coming here, and they were guys I was getting pictures taken with. You know, so to be actually playing with them, it was unreal. It was, it was fantastic. And just to hear a manager say those words, but I'm going to sign you. Yeah. You know, it, it, one, it's a relief. Yeah. A weight off your mind, and the next, and the first thing you think of, great. I can focus on football now. Yeah, there is no other distraction about where am I going to live? Am I going to go home? No, you that's think right. I can concentrate on the yeah. football and take it there. I think it's Tony as well. Being a man, your ability, you? and you're, you're playing at three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. You feel important. Like that was a massive thing. We didn't back then have as many you know midweek games. It was always three o'clock on a Saturday. That's when you know you're you've arrived because you're playing your first team football, and that was a massive thing. Just getting that opportunity, and it was only a six month deal. Um, but managed to, to, to make it really work and I scored on my debut in the, in the Scottish Cup um, when, I, when I come off the bench against St Johnston and um, I really, really had an amazing time at Motherwell and What about these defenders that time at Motherwell playing physical football constantly? That must have been a massive part in the making of a striker Yeah, but I was never shy of the physicality side I think more so now that my games as you get older you learn to be a bit more savvy you don't want to get involved as much on that side but if you ask any centre half if they wanted to play against me, I'd, I'd imagine they would have said no. I, I even had Big Bobo telling me, he was like, all you do is want to fight. I, you don't want to play football. This is like when I was at Motherwell the first time. Um, I think he kind of realised after when I signed for them that that wasn't the case. But I, I certainly put myself about and I was carrying a bit more extra weight then as well, if I'm being honest. you know, I think when you get older, you, you realise you have to do certain things to keep going. But then I was quite a stocky young lad and that, not very many could uh, get me off the ball. Was Bobo not a fearsome prospect? No, see that again. I think that's just. I think that's my whole mentality of just how I I am. I think people see that within me. I'm just an aggressive little so and so, and I just think. <laughs> Tasmanian devil. Uh, yeah, I've always had that about me. Like, I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna show you. <laughs> you know, even when I went to Celtic, that was I still had that attitude. You know, I, when I went to Motherwell. I was talking to Paul Quinn, who's, who's now at Dundee United, and I said to him, I was a right horrible, horrible guy, wasn't I? Back then, I just had one thing in my mind and where I wanted to be and where I wanted yeah. to get to, Focus. and nothing was going to get in my way. Sometimes when you look back, you sort of cringe about it, but it got me to where I, I wanted to be. You know, I had one thing in my mind, I wanted to be successful, and finally I was given the platform to do so, and Terry Butcher and Morris Marfas were going to give me that. So you signed for Celtic uh, 2007? I'm glad we jumped. I'm quite further ahead there because don't ask me any questions about 2005 because I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, that's I think that's within mine, but I'm going to mention those two fateful words Helicopter Sunday. Did that play any part when you sang for Celtic? How much did that? I think it like? played a part in me progressing in my career in terms of the level of opportunity that I had. Uh, I think without that infamous day, I don't know if I would have being able to have signed for a Celtic range. I think it gave me a platform to go and progress and people really stood up and looked at me from that day forward and, and, and looked at my performances and I think I really just grew from strength to strength from that also. I mean, don't really You've got to be thankful for, for that day, Scott. Yes, and without you? question. I don't regret it at all. It's, it's it shaped my job. your career, then it? it? took your career to yeah, it the did. level that you want I, to I, I firmly believe that, um, that, that it did so and as much as it probably breaks a lot of people's hearts to hear that, but... but you were doing your job exactly right and I don't have any regrets about it people ask why did you uh, I said I wasn't going to talk about this as well um, people say why did you celebrate and I, to be honest with you you just didn't know what you were doing uh, I was a young kid and I was playing against your boyhood heroes and you're like I've just got two goals and I didn't even think of the consequences till the game stopped and a certain couple of players told me to F off from the <laughs> opposition I, I won't name their names but 
I can see why they did it. And obviously, you would be. You'd be devastated. But it really put things into perspective. I was going, oh my God, what have I, what have I done here? You know, and you know, certain other people back home being in Celtic sports clubs and this and that and the next thing. It was, I just felt like my house was going to get tanned in. <laughs> the world was caving in on me. Um, but, you know, again, I think no one wants to talk about the goal itself. I think everyone just remembers, obviously, the fateful day and what it was. But if you look at it, it was probably one of my best goals I've ever scored in my career. I was going to say, you never replicated that goal. No, you know, you know it's an, it was an unbelievable finish. You know, just instinctive to, to hook it over your head like that. I actually written down here, there's a goal you scored against Man United Champions League. Yeah, that's my... Some, yeah, the, I would say that's my best. Yeah, that's yeah. a But that was, I think that was right up there as well. So you signed for Celtic. Did you have any real fears or apprehensions about what the supporters were thinking about See, you? Yeah, again, it, it's like what we talked about. I'm going to use the, the case of, you know, going to come up against the likes of Bobo Balde. Uh-huh. If you doubt me or you think you're going to get the better of me, then that's going to make me worse on you. I'm going to come out and show you. And that was certainly the case... Because I did have the opportunity to go to Rangers as well, and I chose to go to Celtic out of the two. And people will go, "Why'd you do that for?" You know, the easy street was to go to the other half. You know, not to Celtic because they don't like you. And I was like, "I don't care. This is the dream come true. This is the team I supported my whole life. People can believe me or not. I couldn't care less. But I'm going to where I want to be, and that's that's a dream come true to get there." And I was like a kid in a sweetie shop. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe when I walked through the door. It was just a it's like, is this really happening? You know, like, even when I got the phone call to, from Gordon to say, All right, we want to sign, I was like, really? You know, after you releasing me and, and it, it was sort of like... Do you ever think after Southampton that the, maybe the relationship then with Gordon Stratton or what you maybe thought of you as a player, did you think that phone call would come? Was that something you expected? Or? I didn't expect it because a lot of managers will never go back on their word, you know, and that just shows you the level of the man, though, in terms of yeah. Gordon was willing to go, right, you've changed... I've changed a little bit, but you've made this happen. It's not me that's made it happen. You've changed my mind. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and how you progress. Exactly, and that and that was how the conversation went in terms of that. There was a sneaky. Would you have a problem working with me? I was like, hell no. (laughs) You know, not a not a not a chance. I was in China at the time when he called actually, because we I was on international duty. Um, So it, it came as a huge surprise and. Obviously, I, I could have swum back. I was that I was buzzing that much that you know I, I just it was over the moon. And obviously, to get there was one thing, but I wasn't ha- happy just being at Celtic. The, the next thing was to achieve. I think looking back now, people forget the makeup of a team when you're there. But Kenny Miller was still at the club when you were there, yeah. and he actually started the season quite brightly. Uh, he did on, on he fire did. to be yeah. there. <laughs> Jan Venegar, obviously Dutch international. Played, you obviously played a lot of games together. Did you feel a difference from obviously with this positive mindset? But yeah. looking around, you're going. There's got to be a bit. Of we still there. had we still had magic there yeah, as well. Magic, as well, magic was there as well. And look, I, I was always like, if I can score X amount of muscle, why can't I score even more so at a team that creates a dozen chances a game? And I'm going to be on the end of them. This is no problem. I can do this. Um, and that's the mentality I had though going in. I think there was a lot more to that as well though. Um, but like you said, there was some big 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 players there but I did everything in my power to give me give myself the biggest opportunity to, to play and impress and I, I hit the ground running I really did in the pre-season I really did I, I was so fit and uh, I, my performances were really at a level the only thing was I was suspended for the first two games of the season as well did that kind of attitude naivety to help you in a way Scott because you, I didn't you, think you too much about it and you didn't think of the enormity of what you just walked into you just thought I want to do this. Yeah, you know, and, and had you thought about it, then it might have held you back. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, and I, I still go to this day for for every, especially in football today. It's psychologically the game is won and lost a lot of the times in your mind, and, and in terms of how far you can really take yourself and how you can perform. And I think I just had that natural arrogance and swagger at that point that nothing was going to get in my way. I knew where I, like I said, I wanted to go and what I wanted to achieve. And I always remember saying, I've scored plenty of goals here. I've scored <laughs> over 20 goals, you know, if given the chance. I'm going to play, though. I'm better than... It wasn't necessarily saying I was better than Magic, better than Kenny, but I was going to make the manager think that, you know, that I was. You know, even if even if they sometimes were more experienced or technical. Or, the thing that made me worry the most was not playing the first couple of games yeah. because I was straight behind the eight ball in terms of... He would have a formulated team. And they're going to have opportunities. Yeah, yeah. But the... the 
the, the good thing for me was we drew the first game nil nil at home to Kilmarnock that, that season so that was a bit of a fist pump I was like ah, that's not bad for me um, and I got an opportunity to play at Spartak away did quite well um, come back from that got a start against Aberdeen thought right here we are we've arrived now just need that first goal and I missed a glorious chance absolute glorious chance and uh, ended up getting hooked after 60 odd minutes and Kenny come on and scored two fantastic yeah. goals wonderful goals and he was really in fine form at that point and I thought right, that could be me sitting on this uh, this bench for a wee while yeah, I'm just going to have to wait and, and, and wait my turn but thankfully from, not, from my perspective I think that might have it's been different and very difficult for me to deal with and, and how I would come back from that, that that's another question but Kenny got sold uh, Magic was out the picture in terms of uh, Gordon wasn't really fancying him at the time and, and in the end the, the partnership became me and me and Jan and I yeah. think the good thing at that point though which we don't see a lot of now there was two positions up for grabs rather yeah. than one whereas you'd only be getting a chance of one now whereas we always played with two strikers I think the one obviously you touched upon there Spartak Moscow at home I think for people who look back and remember the game it genuinely was for a one each maybe the most crazy remarkable yeah. game of football you ever watched it was, it was so many yeah. chances it really and was you obviously able to find the back of the net that night that yeah. was obviously a massive thing in front of the home crowd that must have been yeah, just a massive you know, weight lifted off the shoulders for me just to get that first one out of the way it was, it is a burden, you know, when you come to a, a big club like that, and there is pressure, and there is people questioning and yeah. and doubting you, and and probably not liking you for what happened, and if you know previous to then, so you're wanting to shut a few folk up and prove people also that you can handle it at this level, and to do that in a European game for your first one was was no better place to actually go and do it, and I was really thankful that that was the case, and I, I went on the score against St Mirren on the weekend after that game as well, so it just started to progress. It's obviously a massive high point in your career. Champions League, obviously, there was goals a plenty mm-hmm. for you that season, but doesn't get any bigger. The Champions League campaign, no. that's you know, a certain type of magic, which probably sums up Gordon Strike and Celtic and the late goals, teams that fight yeah. and go to the end. And no more against CC Man, the reigning European champions. Yeah. Tell us about that next goal. It was amazing that uh, I think I'm going to go back to, we uh, talked about Bobo, but Nesta was playing that night. And I remember just digging him. I got a book in early because I, I just went for him. I went for him early and just thought, oh, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be around tonight. I'm yeah, I'm here tonight. I'm just. You might not know who I am, but you're going to afterwards. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you hell. I remember it was Pelton down that night. It was. It was. It was slick. Uh, it wasn't easy. To, you know, with those. I, I go on about the the different balls that we play with in, in European games, and they are more difficult to play with. They're they're a lot lighter and a lot slicker, a lot faster. Um, the top players make it look so easy with these things but it's not as easy as that um, and it all being when I look back I was very young still and still learning my game a lot and I wasn't a complete player that probably what I, I am now in terms of the all round quality that I, I possess and, and the know how so they, they were great learning curves and obviously to, to get a goal especially that late on when it looks like it's going to be a 1-1 which is still a great result for Celtic at home um, but the, the ball to fall at your feet as nicely as it did that night with Dida still on the ground I don't th- as much as it's uh, an amazing you know night and goal I don't think I'll score an easier one you know it was, it was just put on a plate it was lovely first time they've beaten AC Milan as well Scott who were the holders at that time as well you know so yeah we had a knack of doing that massive massive <clears throat> result and coup for Celtic and you were probably the only person that never Spotted, did I get a clamp in the face? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you were a bit busy. That yeah, I was. Yeah, I think half the stand was coming down with us. You yeah, know, at that point, it was, I was starting to worry a little bit when the billboards started to go down. That we were all going to get crushed. But um, no, obviously we turned round to see that he was trying to milk it because I think previous to then he'd had an incident uh, within a European game. A flare had been thrown yeah, so at him. So I think he knew. Hold on a minute. I've just been attacked by a fan. I can actually get this game abandoned and means that we get a result. So I think that he, he was savvy, very quick thinking, you know, from his perspective. And, it was, and we were worried after the result itself that yeah, what, we what were UEFA going to do? Yeah. You know, and thankfully it was just a slap on the wrist and we, we took the three points, you know, with us on our own. So the rest of that campaign is you, obviously that goal that night. But the shot up the next game as well, uh, the night Last minute, Last minute again, goal as well. But that team in general, there was, there really was a dogged spirit throughout the 2008 Celtic team under yeah. Armstrong. There was obviously some, you would almost heartbreak as well with the passing of Phil O'Donnell. Uh, 
How, do you remember? I think it was great at home that day. What was the most? Yeah, I just went into that? the players' lounge and I just as soon as I found out, it was my wife who told me, and it was just like just fall to the floor. You know, I was like, "You kidding me on?" You know, he um, must have been a big mentor coming through it, Mother Well. Yeah, he was. You know, more so when you think back to what kind of man he was and how he was with me. You know, when, like I said, when you're young and that, sometimes you're like, oh, whatever, you know. But you know, I can still remember, you know all the good words he would pass on and, and try and you know, calm you and, and teach you the game but also you forget what a good player he really was yeah. it wasn't only it was only up until in recent times I was sitting in the the media room in, at, at Motherwell last year and there was a DVD collection and it was just all the years through the through the years and it had that 03 yeah. uh, no, the 04 05 uh, season um, and I ended up watching it from start to finish and uh, the contribution Phil gave was, was incredible and you look back to even after I started watching other things uh, what a player he was really was he was just blighted by, by injuries but we say what a player but I think everyone will agree that what a man he was as well you know, a real family man and a real down to earth guy yeah that's a, obviously a real tragedy at the time and also the same season uh, another Scottish football legend Tony yeah. Burns lost his life as well that must have been and Evolved with Celtic, obviously at the time of the season. Yeah, it was a real hard one for all of us, um, and for the club itself. You know, an absolute legend Sorry. of the club and uh, the real heart of the football club. Um, and and what a man! You know, I, I've said plenty of times. You know, the words to me when I first came, a Celtic man like him and a legend, was that you know you belong here. Don't let anyone else think that you you're a Celtic man. I know you are go and show people and uh, obviously that gives you an unbelievable lift you know touch the sky with that when Tommy Burns says something like that to you but it really hit our changing room really hard because there was a lot of boys that came through the youth system with with Tommy as well so a real father figure to a lot of our players and it, it was it was like losing one of your own it really was and uh, it was a somber place throughout that for the rest of that campaign and I think we don't give enough credit to, to Gordon and the staff of how they really cope with that situation and keeping it all together and keeping, yeah. all together and keeping the players focused. There's you know, a great picture of Tommy. Yeah, jumping on the pile. Yeah, I know. And I think the lasting memory of that season was, I've never seen Tommy lose it, but I've seen him lose it at Ibrooks. you know, yeah. when we lost 3-0 with that first old firm game of that season. You know, and uh, Gordon standing there and he really gave us a mouthful about what it meant to play for Celtic, and uh, you know, uh, you know what God was trying to achieve at the football club, and, and that really hit home to all the players when Tommy opened his mouth. People listened. The measuring man as well. Tommy did an interview with Scott Sport on a Sunday after Celtic had been beaten five one. They started the 89 season. Jim White did an interview mm-hmm. with him, and none of the Celtic players spoke, but Tommy let him in his house. Right. And he and he, and he spoke about, you know. The, the game and how it affected them and stuff, you know, and as you say, just a remarkable man. Yeah, unbelievable man, you know, and um, it was only fitting that the season ended the way it did for us, you know, in terms of being able to claw that back from the obscurity of, of did the possibility. Did that drive you on? I mean, I know players say these kind of things, but did something like that, you know, just you're thinking, we'll try and win this for <coughs> I think You know, you can't guarantee things. No, you can't, but you get on a roll. And you know you've got the two old firm games at Celtic Park as well. Yeah, but so actually one thing about that Rangers team, Scott, up until the second part of the season, I seem to be a perception. Did that feel like a particularly strong Rangers team that started the season very well? Did you know you were up against it in terms of they're, they're pretty good? They're yeah, pretty good uh, Walter team. had uh, managed to, Walter Smith, you know, his backroom staff had managed to get a really, really strong squad together over the 18 month period as well. That I know, albeit Celtic were. You know, I think it was three, and it was a two in a row at that point to make yeah. it three. And you know, they were really coming at us, and, and they had a top, top quality side. You know, the, obviously Stephen Davis was there, Barry Ferguson, signed Lee McCulloch. You know, there, there was uh, Darcheville up top. I think uh, Kuzan was another one. So that they brought in you know, players for, for quality, quite a bit of, quality players for quite a bit of money. So we knew we were going to be up against it. And I, I think it was the old. You know, one there, the big physical, direct team. We were the footballing team, albeit a lot of people still moan that we weren't at times. And yeah. we, we would just grind out results. And but I think um, 
albeit you know the end of that season was was an unbelievable achievement to go as much as the other side will say well they had so many games and they had this and they had that but it was, it was still with, for for, no yeah, it was still the within their hands more or less because they had the two games against us I need to win back to we, back we managed to take it out of their hands you know and, and that was the the beauty of it and even then the, the first game obviously remarkable a penalty for yourself it didn't quite go the way but Jan Venegor was a hero in the yeah game. but the second the, the Sunday game eh, that followed that you were probably one of your best games in a Celtic trailer. yeah it was a very strange you scored almost instantly but then the momentum shifted completely Rangers were 2-1 up I think that could actually be the most important goal for the, the common apart from AC Milan but maybe domestically the way you were able to change that game your performance yeah I, I was, it, was a, it was one of my best performances all round game was so tight that day um, in terms of everything stuck to me uh, I was getting fouls I was turning people beating people I was just it was it was just a, one of those days where scoring that goal that early on as well gives you you know, extra extra foot. You know, in terms of yourself and your self belief as well to go and that's a bit of a swagger. I think it certainly did that that day, and uh, it, it kicked me on. And albeit that, that there was another penalty that day, <laughs> to, to, obviously to, to score a hat trick, and I would have been up until well, we know Dembele was the first yeah, one in yeah. how many years? Was it was at fifty or eighty yeah, yeah, years. Sixty six was it? Wasn't it? Since nineteen sixty six. Was it sixty six? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, yeah. 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 scored a hat trick. So. I remember people telling me that at the time that I should have took it Move and this and that. Buddy. Yeah, but I was like, no, nah, as long as we won, that was that was the main thing. And going back to the first one, obviously I missed the penalty. Um, I had a big part in the obviously the goal, but it was just a huge sense of relief. Just going, thank God, not no one can pin this on me. <laughs> Everyone pinning it on me again. That's the last thing I can deal with. Being the panto villain again? No, please. But I think the narrative at the time was what Smith had. The advantage over Gordon Strachan, and he, he knew how to play his side. But that night, dramatic it was. What about Nakamura's goal? Where were you on the pitch? And that hit the I was right night? behind. I was just in front of him. Yeah. So and I, I, I was looking to get it at feet, and I've just seen him take it out his feet and just hit one, and I've just turned around and seen it in the net, and I was just chasing him after that. Brilliant, you know. Those nights are the the greatest nights. Uh, you know, the old firm ones. The really special days and and uh, events and ones that you always tra- cherish, you know, and was thankful enough to be successful in quite a few of them. You scored a lovely win at Ibrox as well. Yeah, that was probably the, the best one. There's no better feeling than winning at your rivals. Um, you know, when you go to their ground and, and you win, and especially when it's the only goal, it's yeah a special memory. And I think the reverse, you know, that season was done on us in terms of we were seven points seven clear. Points clear yeah. You know, and uh, uh-huh. we just couldn't find a way to see over the line to see it over the line. And what do you think happened in the second half of that season? It just we we just uh, I, Gordon will say that I didn't get enough support myself in terms of goals mm-hmm. because we had a lot of issues with with Jan and uh, and Sammy that year mm-hmm. with injuries they were blighted. They uh, also tried to sign Fletcher that year, didn't they, Stephen Fletcher? Yeah, and I think a lot of people yeah. put it down to that signing not happening. That it was a big, a big problem in terms of if the January wasn't they signed yeah, to sign because the because the the year before that. We managed to make some good signings in Andres Hinkle, yeah. uh, Samaras, um, Barry Robson. Yeah. We never had that influence in the January transfer window the following year, yeah. you know. And I think that's where it possibly hurt us a little bit, you know, going into that second, you know, bit of the campaign. And there was another trophy, obviously, in the horizon when you were able to beat Rangers two 0 We cup final. That again, people at the time would say that Rangers so evenly matched. Whoever wins the cup final will go we'll on win the league. league. Yeah, but that. Obviously, won the cup final, but it didn't happen that year. Walter Smith's team obviously came out on top, and in the summer, Tony Mowbray came into the club. How did you find the initial training sessions with him? The start of the season? <coughs> how, how, how was that for you? I, th- I think it was very difficult. I think it was very difficult for the group itself because it had some su- success mm-hmm. over the four years of Gordon's tenure, um, and it was very much a Gordon Strachan side. Yeah. Um, when a new manager comes in and wants to change things very quickly and dramatically. Um, it does ruffle a few feathers um, there's no question about that and I just felt from the get go that Tony really wasn't you know feeling me as his main man you know as you know as pivotal to Celtic as what I was previous and that's always in the back of your mind and then we signed you know, Marco oh, uh, yeah, Fortuna yeah. for, for big money um, which I didn't have an issue with because we, we'd lost uh, we'd lost Jan Venegor at that point so there was only me and Samaras there, so we needed an extra striker. So there was no issues with new players coming in, but just the style of play, 
I could just feel, you know, um, in terms of some of the conversations me and Tony were having, it just, I don't know if we're on the same page and you're, you're really wanting me to be, you know, your main striker here, but at the end of the day, when you're scoring goals, there's not a lot the manager could do. There was a tailing conversation between the manager and your replacement as well at one point, wasn't there? Yeah, I think that's, I've said that previous and, <laughs> and you know, it was unfortunate that I had to hear that at that point. I kind of think I probably got the wrong end of the stick of it. Yeah. I think since then, looking back at it, you look at things a lot differently in terms of where I'm at in my career and if I was speaking to players, um, it wasn't it probably interpreted the, a little bit differently from me than what he was actually trying to get across to to Marco at the time um, but all you can hear is well he's just wanting to put him in for you um, so that didn't go down too well with myself as well and I think just previous to leaving um, there was quite a few games where I wasn't getting picked but I was coming on and scoring goals and I'd be in one and out one and it was sort of it was just and then there was the agitating thing of every time 60 minutes had gone in games I was getting sobbed and I was kind of getting frustrated with that because you know, when you play for Celtic or Rangers, you're grinding teams down. Yes. To you know, to those last thirty minutes, teams are getting tired. Chances are happening. Yeah. Other people are coming on and getting those chances. And as a single-minded goal scorer for for Celtic, and we, let's be honest, that's what you're based on. You're based on goals, and that's your success. I was getting frustrated by that, you know, because I was going into games knowing I was coming off at 60 minutes, irregardless of the performance, you were coming off. And I, I just, I didn't like it, and I still don't like that to this day. If, if your player's performing for you, unless he needs a rest and he looks tired, you take him off. You don't take him off because it's premeditated. And, and that really frustrates centre-forwards when that happens. One thing that really got your back up at the time was rumours of being a week at the club. Was that something that... Yeah, I, I don't really know where that came from. Um, well, I kind of I kind of know because of a certain relationship I have with, with one of your colleagues. Um, you'd be seen to have lunch with someone and then it grows arms and legs that you, you're telling. How obvious would that be? You know, if yeah. you're out seeing in public with someone. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the mall, you know, in the league or whatever. Um, long behold, you, know, you you find things out certainly afterwards and in terms of what happens and where things come from and, and what's happened uh, and, and who's you know told the stories um, so that's not for me to say but uh, certainly on my end as uh, how daft would I be you know in, in terms of the the hierarchy at Celtic Park <laughs> the, the, you'll tell me as well as yeah. I can know yeah. that, that they're not too daft themselves no, they know correct. exactly what's going on in the background and who's speaking to what yeah. and if they got any wind of that then I wouldn't have lasted two seconds. You would have left a lot quicker than yeah, you exactly. So it's a, it was really a, a non-starter and something that, yeah, because we've got this lovely internet now, things progress and grow arms and legs, don't they? To take you to January 2010, nearing the end of your time at Celtic, yeah, I won each game at Parkhead between Celtic and Rangers. It was almost the opposite. You didn't start the game. Celtic played pretty well for long spells, but you were the man off the bench for Tony Mowbray yeah. to score the goal. And I think that probably... Sums up Mowbray's time to one nil up, not long to go on a defensive from yeah. a set piece. Yeah, it upon you when it was my last ever game for Celtic. Yeah, you know, uh, funny. Yeah, did it feel like that? Did it feel at the end of the days for you to come? Well, back? I ripped my hernia at that point, so I kind of knew it was my last game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was actually when I went just after I scored. It was, it was another header. I can remember putting it over the bar. Just felt this this awkward rip just up in my right abdomen area and I was like oh no that's not good <laughs> I'd been complaining about hernia previous to that but yeah no I remember coming on the team bus after the team meeting at the Hilton furious absolutely furious that I wasn't playing mm-hmm. these are the games I lived for up until that point I always performed really well and fancy myself being at Celtic Park again but I sat there patiently gritting my teeth waiting for the moment and it was perfect scenario for me. I was like, "This is great, nil nil. There's no better time to come on now and, and be, yeah, and be the man." And uh, Aiden done his lovely little shuffle left and right and put a sweet little ball in, beat the offside trap, and one nil. Here we go again. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, Lee McCulloch I think scored the equaliser that day from a set piece from a corner, um, and it ended up being one each. And I kind of knew I'd be out for a little while, and I kind of. I didn't know too much of what was going to happen next, but obviously being the January transfer window, I could see things developing, and, and there was a lot of unrest at football club at that point with a lot of players, you know, because of one maybe the manager not, 
you know, fe- feeling that they were in these plans, or two that they were, you know, very close to running down their contracts. So possibility we, we need to get them out the door and get some money for them. In terms of managers, just touching upon there, Tony Mowbray probably passing his minuses against someone like Walter Smith and the regulars are going the whole season. It was probably never a fair match, was it? The the beautiful try to play beautiful football and Walter Smith sitting there grinding out results. Yeah. Do you have a feeling of that? Could you see that as well? I think we felt it early on, but only because he didn't have the savviness to protect his players in certain moments. Um, and like Tony's a fantastic manager and coach on his own merit, but when you go and manage a, a club of Celtic or Rangers as level, it's not even it's not even the same as managing West Brom in the Premier League. There's different pressures and different sides to it. And you're having to answer questions every single day and the media are on you constantly and it's how you deal and adapt with that. We've seen that previous I mean, in recent times with you know Celtic and Rangers managers, sure. they they fall to the pressure, they they crumble and they start showing cracks and all of a sudden the press see that, they're all over you. But once they get a sniff of blood, they yeah. they come for you even more so <laughs> and they'll they'll keep asking the difficult questions and then they lose it. And we just felt that the one thing that we had previous was a protection within the change room and the, the, the playing staff itself that if things weren't going right, we would sort it out, we'd work it out. But to everyone else out there, there was a there was a front. There's nothing, everything is fine. There's, there's nothing wrong here. My players, believe in my players. It's, and we just didn't get that vibe because he started coming out and saying negative things about performances and, and players. And... Uh, we need basically. I think there was a headline at one point. It might have been dramatic, but we need eleven new players. Players were players were reading that, you know. So if you're a player playing at the club at the time, you, you're so you know it's just f- full of doubt and uh, unsureness of what does he really want from me? Is he does he like me? Am, am yeah. I going to be here? Or oh, and then you start going, I don't like what he's doing here. You know, it's natural. And then it was supermarket sweeping the transfer window. That was yeah. Was well. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously Gordon was such a great mentor to me and I had such a great time at Celtic and success that um, as soon as he was always going to get a job, that was always going to raise an eyebrow for me, um, albeit it would have been better if he had been in the Premier League for, for all the lads, but um, he chose a challenge and it was a challenge, it certainly was a challenge, but we, it, was, it was one that we all believed fully that we would progress and, and do exceptionally well and, and kick on and go to another level again. Um, we were certainly wrong about that in, in certain ways. Um, it was a lot more of a challenge than what we first realised, and uh, it took us a while, all a while to adapt. And unfortunately, by then, you know, Gordon had sadly left, and was um, incredible what happened next. That a manager you not had fallen out with, but didn't agree with in previous at your previous club, turns up to be your manager then again. <laughs> it's, uh, what was it, your thoughts when he walked through the door, Scott? What did, did, you, um, did you just take the rings on the wall again? Well, I, I knew, I, I'd found out when Gordon had left that basically who was going to be the manager anyway. And I, I, I was sitting in the front room going, nah, this can't be right. It was like, we've just spent millions on all us players coming here and he's got rid of us. Why would the chairman even, you know, invest in someone that doesn't believe in his players that he's invested in already? It doesn't make business sense. But how wrong I was, you know. I think because he was a Middlesbrough man as well, and yeah. I think the chairman, the owner, Steve Gibson, who's a fantastic man, backs his club to the hill, was amazing to me in my time there. Um, you know, sort of went with his heart rather than his head at that moment. You know, in terms of. The timing was all wrong for, for Tony at that point to come to Middlesbrough Football Club because of the personnel that was there. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, we all gave as much as we could for Tony and it was, there was periods of time, it was fantastic. We'd turned the corner, we'd, we'd got rid of all the nonsense, um, but there was still the element of doubt that he wasn't really fancying you as, a, as one of his players and that had a detrimental effect to all of us in terms of our confidence and where we wanted to be and where we were at as players. You know, under him, and it just made it not as enjoyable as probably what it should have been. So after Middlesbrough, you turned to Millwall for a spell. Yeah, enjoy your time with Millwall. Uh, you know what? It was different. Um, <laughs> What's it like? As a in, what, in what way was it different? Well, I, do you know what? I I loved the fans. I really did. I had a good connection with the fans. They they appreciated me. I think they could see that 
I worked hard, and that's all. They're really honest, living people, you know. And if they see their players giving their all, sweat and blood, they're happy, irregardless of the result. They just want to see you work for that badge, you know. And and thankfully, I I certainly did that to a degree. The only, the only problem for me was it was disappointing. Again, I went there under Steve Lomas. Certain things, like I said, with managers when you're signing is right this is the remit we're going to play this way we're going to do this I'm going to play you with him Steve Morris was at the football club at the time I thought ideal another target man wherever I have most of my strengths you know in in playing it's always been with a bigger guy can play off the and and off the knockdowns and and everything else he does he can affect the big centre half while I can work in and around it but obviously the pressures of being a, a manager in that in that league and Steve Lomas with his history of being a West Ham yeah, man, yeah. It, 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 the pressure told straight away, we need to get results. So straight away that that changed, the shape changed completely and I ended up playing wide left again. Uh, and, yeah, and then he, he didn't last too long, Steve, and, and then Ian Holloway come in, great education, loved, loved working <laughs> with a guy, crazy guy, but... Um, his levels of detail and actually tactical nous, he's of an elite level. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, and I think he gets a little bit jokered off sometimes because of his craziness. Um, but he's certainly, there's certainly a top, top manager in there for me. Um, and you would have your ins and outs with him because he's crazy. So I had my fallouts with him. What's your best story? Best Holloway story? He loves to dance in the change room after a game. He's got some dance <laughs> moves. If you yeah it, well no if you lose if you lose you're in there for fifty minutes getting getting told and, and a speech about life you know that, that's, <laughs> but that's that, that's the man himself you know he wears his heart on his sleeve and I quite like that about him uh, but if you if you YouTube him he, there's a there's a video of him dancing about when he was Palace manager they just beat Brighton and he's in the Brighton change room doing all his dance moves he's, he's mental he's crazy one of the first days actually come in. Um, uh, we're doing like we're doing shape against mannequins like just just you know forward shape like in two teams one, one was big one wasn't and he was just looking for the movements that he wanted and he brought this massive boom, back, boom box out and I was like what's he doing with that and he whipped it on and he put Michael Jackson on and he started doing all the Michael Jackson <laughs> come on come on boys let's go get it on come on and we're having to train while this is going on it's completely bonkers but he would do things just to get reactions at times and lift the spirit yeah. of the place and he was really good at that um, again Millwall's just a really difficult place to go and infiltrate there's a certain type of style of way <laughs> yeah well you know but Millwall itself going back to it it's a really hard club to infiltrate they like certain things they like certain traits they like to play a certain way they like to see their players do certain things now for you to go and play pure soccer at at, at Millwall is near enough impossible they get impatient they want to see the ball get from back to front as quickly as possible when people banging banging into people and and, and showing showing them the Millwall way so the way Ian wanted to play at times just didn't fit the bill and unfortunately um, you know my time came came up a little bit uh earlier than probably where I would have liked there um, we've seen it fit to, to move on and, and I thought it was probably time for me it wasn't working out I wasn't playing where I wanted to play I was playing in a, in a more central midfield role more in a uh, we talk about numbers now I hate talking numbers it's a centre midfield role but yeah. if you're talking there's a six and then there's an eight I was more like an eight you know that, yeah. that one that would go box to box and I, I just wasn't progressing and I felt I'm not scoring goals and everyone looks at me and probably up here they'll look at their, their phone app and they'll look at Millwall and it's not scored again. You know <laughs> I mean, people don't know the reasons why or what yeah. was behind those things. And that was getting to me mentally more than anything. So more than anything, I wanted to get back to one playing where I wanted to play and, and two, enjoying football again. And I ended up you know, back in sunny Scotland once more. <laughs> That's that. And I think Motherwell the second time around uh, good to come home would that be a fair way to describe yeah well I felt at that, at that point it was a, it was both perfect for both parties at that point both needed a, an outlet I needed to play again things hadn't worked out where I'd wanted to uh, I was looking to stay down in the championship in England um, still a lot to give for one reason or another I won't go into why but it just didn't happen um, and Motherwell were on the brink of relegation they, they were struggling and um, the new owner had come in, Les Hutchison at the time, had a little bit of money and wanted to improve the squad. 
out with what was already there and it was a perfect scenario because I was a free and it was in March and there was me and Stephen Pearson I think we came in at the same time um, to the, the saviours we were called at the time it was just from the change room it was quite hilarious but um, fa- yeah thankfully you know and it was great I really enjoyed that yeah I, I, but I really enjoyed that that pressure again it was something I'd missed when I left Celtic you know and this was a different type of pressure but one that I believed I could you make right, a difference right, on one, yeah, yeah. And uh, for the three-month period that that, that had uh, went on, it was it was great. And obviously to to do what we did and play Rangers in the in the playoff, out with playing for Celtic, probably the two biggest games I'd played in for a long, long time. You know, so it was great to play in those games. Keith Lasley says he's never known a pressure like that, Scott, in, in the lead up to those three games, the, the build up, the intensity where you were walking around, for part knowing that if you lost, no jobs were going. That's the thing. No, it was a real pressure. Real this wasn't. This, this wasn't just a run-of-the-mill pressure uh, of you know. I need a performance in a big, big game here. This is like people's livelihoods are at stake here. You know, there's a lot at stake. Whether you're a player or a staff member, or the people that have been you know in and out of that football club for for twenty odd years, for the time even from the time that I was there, they were all still there. You know, and that's what makes that club so special. Um, and and to this day. And so it was just, you could see, it was like everyone's Christmases, it all came at once after that second game had finished, you know. I don't even think, even when it was, you know, 4 1 on aggregate, everyone was still worried that it wasn't going to go their way. Yeah, you know, and just to finally the final whistle, was, it was an amazing relief to, to all that were obviously part of it. I'd like to touch upon the next season, uh, and I think if you're worth it, Celtic, it was, I think fans. We're fully aware of how important. There was two games that season, Ronnie Dyla's second season in charge, uh, a wee win at Parkhead, and you were f- fantastic that day. And also the 2-1 defeat the week before Celtic was obviously yeah. with the Rangers. I think that showed both of those games were Scott McDonald games, just causing defenders. Yeah, I, was in there, <coughs> you? yeah, Louis, I mean, we were great foil together, and I think, I, think I, I did have an excellent game that day. Celtic were at sorts a little bit as well. Um, in terms of their performances and confidence and even to, to that there was still a big ask to go Celtic Park and, and get any kind of result whoever's playing because obviously Celtic have always got quality players playing but um, it was a, it was quite an emotional day for me it was my first time back I found that it was for about a year and a half or so I found it very difficult to deal with leaving Celtic and actually watching games or even setting foot back in the stadium I'd got over that finally and, and then obviously a couple of years later went on to play that game and um, and it was a nice feeling. It was a nice feeling for me to go back and go, I've still got something here and I'm showing you guys I've still got something and to get a result as well your first time back because it was certainly a lot different. I think the second time I went back, that's for sure. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, what was but, the score score? Hey, hey, yeah, it was hey, the last hey, game of the season. Yeah, we are that's the last game since it lost. In fact, they've went two calendar years. Really? Yeah, like at Celtic Park? Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Did St Johnston not beat them? No, that was it. Like, was it? Okay, Park. yeah, well there you go. That's the last yeah, that was the last one. Mole grabbed the headlines, but I think a lot of people felt your performance that day was a big reason for the victory. Yeah, I, I think both of us, and I think that's the, that's the underlining me- memory of playing against the likes of Boyata, though, was we, we banged against him. Yeah. We gave him a hard time. We didn't give him a minute. And albeit, he was a different player then. Mm-hmm. But... Was that a Scott McDonald performance? Yeah, it was. It was. Nasty and naughty and doing up to your old little winding up tricks and whatnot and just trying to get under the skin but playing your game as well. Um, But it was always in the memory of mine and Maltz whenever we played against it. We've got to get get in them. And I think Hearts showed us that on on Sunday that they don't like the uh, feathers being ruffled. And unfortunately for Celtic, they'll complain about physicality and and whatnot, but some people, some teams have to bring you down to their level, and, and that, unfortunately, they haven't got the quality of player Celtic have. So you have to find ways to to combat go and that, yeah, yeah, and go and combat that and try and upset their rhythm. So after leaving Motherwell, joined Dundee United, teach at the present day, pushing for promotion. How's that? How yeah, <clears throat> I'm I'm loving it there. Um, obviously disappointed that the manager lost his job early on in the in the piece. That was. Bit gutting for me. You never like that. You never like that on your CV. You know, a man losing his job. You know, while you're you're part of that. 
unfortunately I've seen a couple come and go I think that's just the, the way the game's gone now um, but really enjoying it I felt my time was up at Motherwell for a few different reasons itself but I'd kind of been there and done that and another two years two and a half years of, of being at Fur Park it was enough for me you know and it was time for other people to come in now as well and progress the football club because there was a lot of senior players at the club and it was coming to a time where not for me certainly but quite a lot of others were coming to the end of their careers and the club needed to find a way of you know trying to manoeuvre that so there wasn't a big gap and I I felt me moving on was going to help that case the likes of the likes of a Bowman getting an opportunity where previous to me being there I don't think he's seen a pathway or a belief that he could actually break into the team. Now he's found that and he, he's gone on and he's doing really well and I'm delighted for him. And just a few others as well. They're probably delighted I'm not moaning at them anymore. <laughs> and I've got a new set to do to, to do that too. But yeah, again, going back to United, the whole challenge was the thing that excited me about it the most. I think raised a few eyebrows. Well, he's, he's going to the championship. Um, instead of staying in you know the top league in Scotland or going elsewhere. And I just felt... I've been there and done that. Everything else, realistically, what can I win playing in you know the, the Premiership? I'm not going to win the league in the Premiership. We could get a good cup run. Motherwell did amazing to to get yeah. to the League Premier, Cup, yeah. but there's a possibility of doing that with, with the likes of Dundee United anyway. So, and there's also a chance of winning games week in, week out. Pressure of performances, winning something, and that meant a lot more to me, you know, in the in the time of where I'm at in my career and and hopefully achieving that. What's life like under Shabalazzle? Great. Um, <laughs> obviously, you're a bit wary when a foreign manager comes into you know British football, Scottish football. He'd been here before, but it's all right being here before. But I kind of thought because I didn't know the man. Well, that's all right. But at Hearts, they had a lot of foreign players, so that they had already been used to a foreign type of managerial way. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't going to bother me too much I'd had experience of playing with you know European managers at international level we had Dutch managers German managers but I just felt how's the group going to take on board what he wants but he's been amazing really has um, and his ideas are fantastic and I think we can really see the performances um, of late we, we've certainly dominated a lot more of the proceedings of the games we're, we're keeping the ball possessions great and we're creating a lot more chances and and so we should be, you know, our performances went up to scratch start of the season and we've got a lot of exciting young talent within the squad as well, in the wider areas, up front. So, And it's my job to, to try and progress them as well and help them along with, you know, my experiences. Shaping up to be a brilliant title race. Yeah, well, yeah, it is, it certainly is. Exciting as well. Up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was probably three or four, you would say, that are in for a, a right good go. We play Livingston on the weekend, which is a massive game, and if we were to beat them, you wouldn't say they're out of the picture, but it almost makes it a two-horse race, them four, and yeah. then we play the big one the following week against St Mirren as well, so lots to play for, and these are the games you want to get be involved in. It's not, you'd rather be at the top of the league rather than the basement of it, that's for sure. So the final question, Scott, then, would be, you've experienced a fantastic career, but it's not over yet. What do you still want to achieve as a player? Well, first and foremost, win the league with with United. Get get the you know Dundee United Football Club back to where it belongs in the big time, um, playing in the big games, uh, and then you know really seeing from there. I'm very open. I'm just more concentrating one step at a time. This year, I've done my badges. I'm loving talking to you guys, doing this Excellent. media stuff as well. So that's a route. I'm looking at maybe going down possibly, but I've got a few years left in in the legs yet. So as long as I can stay injury free, then um, I'm more than happy to keep going. Do you see yourself being a manager one day? Because there's a fire I do. Belly to yeah. Well, again, you go. You talk about what we talked about about me being my personality and yeah. how I was as a player. That's certainly starting to evolve into the other side now. <laughs> I'm having that belief, but there's a there's a long way to go and a lot to learn. Um, like I've learnt along the way in terms of playing the game, in terms of management and dealing with individuals and society as a whole now and, and what players are thinking and, and their mindsets, it's completely different. So you have to be aware of that and it's not just turn up and, right, lads, go and F and play, that's it. I tell you what to do, I'm the dictator 
and you're going to do as you're told. It doesn't work like that. So you have to you have to be aware of that. And um, I'm I'm certainly still learning the ropes in terms of that type of stuff. Okay, well that's all a good thing today for Scott. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for having me. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you like it, please review and rate us there too. Thanks for listening.